the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rody Fisher, and I'm your host today. Let's pray. Father, we just give you this day. We give you this time. Thank you for all of us getting together here this morning, Sean and Guy and myself and, and Julie. Lord, just bless our time here. May you be honored and high and lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And um, we are in Psalm 61. So let's get started. Um, just as a side note, uh, David is there's is probably at that time where he's fleeing from, from his son Absalom. And you know that his son just um, was trying to undermine him. And here he is confidently coming to the Lord and laying his petitions out as well as, you know, crying out to him. It's one of those prayers that, you know, um, hit the throne room of God. But anyhow, let's get started here. Father, we pray for understanding of your word. So it says here before, um, before verse one, for the director of music with stringed inst- instruments of David. So you see that um, David wrote this, and he's going to accompany this um, psalm with music. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. He's crying out to him. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, the rock is Jesus. You know, he's our cornerstone. Um, and and we, you know, consider him the rock. And he's, he's saying, lead me to the rock that is heart higher than I. <clears throat> For you have been my res- refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever. <clears throat> and I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my my vows, O God. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing praise to your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Wow. Thank you for your word, Lord. What a great psalm. And that's kind of the way we need to come to him crying out to the Lord and ending with praise and thanksgiving. Okay, um, I want to thank you for joining us today, and I want to thank my special guest today. Um, her name is Julie Samuel, and I welcome Julie. Thank you. Uh, she's coming us, she's coming up um, with, the, she's joining us today from out of state. I'll just let you know that. And um, she's got a story to tell about her walk with Jesus. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about your background, where you were born, where you grew up, how many kids in the family. Paint the picture for the audience as to um, your humble beginnings. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on, but I can't hear you, Julie. Um, um, okay, there we go. Now? I can okay. hear you now. So, thanks to Lord Jesus Christ for um, this wonderful opportunity for giving me to. So, I share what Jesus have done in my life, and uh, I am originally from Pakistan, and I was born there, and I was there for about. 16 years and um, I am the oldest of seven children and uh, well I am a, I came from pretty um, poor family I uh, which, uh, um, I was 12 years old when I stopped 
uh, school because uh, my father was bus driver and uh, I was uh, oldest of seven and uh, my dad had a bad uh, accident and he couldn't work. So my mom was a housewife and uh, she um, she tried her best. To, she sew people's clothes and stuff to take care of the family. And um, I was so your, your mother, although she was a housewife, she would take in work that she could do out, out of her house to raise yes, her children to yes, earn money since your father was ill. But then yes, also at 12 years old, you quit school. Yes, ma'am. And you go out to work too. Yeah. Over there, uh, you have to pay money to school, go to school. Over here is like free public school. Over there is a government school. Most of the Christian children are not allowed or it's really bad discrimination. Uh, so my family couldn't afford to send me to private school, uh, which I was going before my dad had accident and then I couldn't pay my fee. So they kicked me out of the school. So my point of view was, since I can't go to school, I will work and I will help my sister and brother. I will send them at least. So to uh, even put food on the table because my mom, what she was doing, sewing people's clothes, she was not making enough money. Dad didn't even get enough to buy milk for children or even my father's medication. So that's the reason I started working. And um, um, I worked in a sewing factory for four years. I used to walk about um, three, uh, four or five miles to get to work. And um, I didn't have enough money even ride um, like bus or anything. So, so you're working out of a factory. And tell me, how many hours are you working? You're 12 years old. I used to work uh, from uh, 7.30 till sometime 9 o'clock. Sometimes we have to work overnight because when they have an order, um, I used to cut the threads of the, you know, when they sew clothes and the threads I used to cut. And um, sometimes I worked like a 14 hour, 15 hour. That was a daily routine, 14 hour, 15 hour. Now, Julie, tell me, what kind of money are we talking about that a 12-year-old can earn per hour or per day? 600 or rupees, which is basically $4. And yeah, for right now, you can say $4, or 600 rupees was that time. For a whole day? Yes, ma'am, 14, 15 hours. Okay, now, um, so you have $4. Oh, no, 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 sorry, for month. That was a month. Monthly wage was 600 rupees. Monthly wage? Yes, ma'am. And so how much, just to just to give us a picture now, this is years ago that you're getting $4 a day. For, that $4. was uh, in, two th- it was uh, 1998. So in 1998, how much could $4 buy for, a, for you know, how much maybe groceries can four, $4 buy? For $4 yeah. today, but say going back to 98, it might be a little bit more. So tell me, just so our listeners can understand that. Tell me how much money are you, how much food can you bring home? Um, like maybe a week or half the ration. Okay, so maybe a whole week of food, maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a week of food as, and then there was like, a, sometime I get overtime, so I would make like 100 or 200 rupees extra. And I used to not, like my mom used to give me money, like two, three rupees to buy something for lunch or ride a bus. And I used to walk instead to save that money. So I don't like at the end of the month, I would have that money as well. And people used to like take a lunch break, our lunch break to like, you know, and I used to not take the lunch break and I used to spend that hour and I would make the extra money. You know, that was like, you get like, um, uh, five cents, uh, uh, their money, uh, Pakistani money, um, uh, Pakistani, um, to like cut the dozens of t-shirts. If you cut their thread and everything, um, in our, I used to do like three, four of them, three, okay. four dozen. So, so the extra thread on the, on the clothing, you're cutting it so that it looks finished. And so that was like, yeah, that was my job. And I used to like, instead of taking lunch break, I used to do that. And I would save lunch money as well. During that whole hour, I would make like extra, 
like a, uh, maybe a 10, 15 rupees. So okay. that's how end of the month I would uh, get a little bit more to support my family. Now you're, 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 you call yourself Christians. So are you going to church every Sunday and going to Bible study? And how does that work in Pakistan? Okay. So we used to go to church when I was in school. I used to go to church. I was going to church uh, uh, with my mom and my, uh, see, um, have nothing against honestly uh, my mom was a pentecostal my dad was a catholic and i was a mess honestly i just i said god here i am i don't know what i am i'm not a catholic i'm not a pentecostal i couldn't fit fit in any of it okay but that, i did go to church okay so tell us about the 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 other job that you moved over to You got a job at a call center where people come to you and make telephone calls. This was before cell phones. So they, well, cell phones were uh, there, you know, they were around then, but people couldn't afford those at the way back then. But tell us a little bit about your job at the call center where people go there, pay to make a call like a pay phone, but they pay a person like you to do that. Tell, Tell, how old were you and what do you do there? Okay, so I was, I worked in the sewing factory for four years. And then I started uh, the sewing factory, some reason closed in 2002. And uh, June 1st, uh, I I was desperate for a job because I was, that time my sister and brother were going to school and uh, I still needed money. My father was still not able to work. And uh, I was, uh, I, I found this job on a public call center where it's a, like a telephone booth. It's a small booth back then. Uh, in 2002, not everybody have a phone, a cell phone. They used to have a landline or uh, that kind of, or uh, like a telephone booth where you can go and make a call to landline or somebody. And um, so that time, uh, um, I I started working this uh, public call center call uh, uh, for June 1st and June 15th. This happened. One uh, before that, I used to receive a lot of, of the comment that I should change to Islam. I am not. I don't look like a Christian uh, because uh, Christian people, in their point of view, they they should look dark. They should look a certain way. In uh, many of the Islamic country, Christian people get like a lot of discrimination of like of their look because they are looking certain way. So they have to be Christian or they are Christian because when you work hundred and 20 degree 110 degree 130 degrees you're not gonna be fair skin mm-hmm. i had a fair skin because my parents were kind of fair or maybe it's god's blessing i don't know but i whatever i was it's a god's blessing okay so what you're telling me is um you happen to be a fair skin woman or yeah. young girl at the time and people used to come to you and say to you I notice you have a cross there. You're not the typical Christian. Why aren't you going to change your religion to something more honorable, like maybe Islam or maybe a Hindu or something else? Because see, so like when people used to see me and they said, like, I used to not wear the head cover and all that. And I used to wear cross. Which I uh, I was my first cross was given to me by my grandfather, uh, my father's father, uh, and you know he told me one thing. He said this cross is not a, a, a piece of jewelry. It's not a decoration. It had a reminder that you know somebody gave every breath so you can live today. Wow. You can live the eternity. And this cross, and then uh, my grandfather. passed away when I was really, really young and I really loved my grandfather and because of that a cross means a lot to me and I don't I used to wear that cross all the time and he also said it's not easy to wear that cross because you have to carry that and I, I was just a little bit uh, like I was maybe nine or ten years old and I could hardly understand what he was trying to say that I have to carry that cross because wherever people I go people see that cross and people discriminate you know they they used to say that I should change to Islam I don't look like a Christian I will have everything and this and that and I used to like ignore it so tell was, us about that particular day so you're at this place 15 days and something happens tell us about that day so when I came to uh, like that day I uh, 
I was uh, in my office in that telephone booth. And uh, as uh, um, one man came in and he, he came to make a call as he looked like a customer, he came to uh, uh, make a call and he gave me this number and he said, I need to make a call. And as I was, uh, uh, and the number was busy and uh, he just waited for a minute and he saw a cross around my neck and I was not wearing a head cover or anything like that. Like, you know, I was like a normal uh, person, you know, like I am uh, right now. So I was, uh, um, he, he asked me, he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir. He asked me second time, are you sure you are a Christian? I said, yes, sir. And he asked me third time. And I said, yes, sir, I am a Christian. And, you know, he said, you, you should change to Islam. You don't look like a Christian. And as usual, you ignore, because I used to, like, I used to say that, you know, God gave you two ears, not for um, earrings. One side you hear, the other side you let it go, because those kind of junk, I don't carry on to my brain. And uh, so as he asked me, uh, he, as he told me, he said, you should change to Islam, you know. And uh, if you change to Islam, you will have everything. Everybody will treat you like a queen and uh, everybody will support you and your family. And I said, I am a, I am a princess because I am my father is a king. My yes. heavenly father is a king. And uh, uh, the reason I believe that is because of my mom. Uh, whatever happen she will always pray and she said my heavenly father my father is a king he control everything i'm his daughter we are his daughters and that's why i believe that i was princess i was his daughter and i told him god gave me two hands and two feet for reason i don't need anybody's support when he told me that everybody will support me and then he told me he put in money on the table and he said take this money and change to islam and if you change to islam everybody will support you and treat you like a queen and i then again i told him i said i don't want to be that dumb queen beaten to death in y'all's horses because i have seen i lived in that in that country i had a neighbor i have i grew up in the environment uh, around me that you know how they beaten the women in their houses how women have no right no under islam um, i mean i do not hate anybody i don't hate any religion i don't hate anybody because i believe that god love everybody who i am to judge but i have seen how muslim people treated their women and i didn't want it to be that dumb queen so i okay. he, so let me ask you very quickly how much money does he leave on the table for you i don't know it was a bunch of money so you give it back I, I didn't even touch it. He okay. put it on the table and he said, take all this money. And I didn't even touch it. I didn't look at it, how much it could be. It looked a lot. And it was, it, it, I saw the top one was a thousand or maybe at the bottom one, it could be more thousand. I don't know how much was more than, I don't know. It was 2000, 3000. I don't know. I didn't okay. even touch it. So now you've, 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 talking very strong to a man and and tell me what he does he leaves no okay so when he told me again uh, then he he told me he said you know you living like when i told him i am fine who i am i am a princess uh, my father is king and he told me he said you know uh you living life in a gutter and you know you're gonna go to hell and i told him i know where i am going and when he told me you living life in a gutter I told him, I said that I believe that I am living right life. And he said the gutter mean is also mostly Christian people over there. They get jobs cleaning like a sewer system or working in people's uh, Muslim people's houses or Muslim people's field or lower. So that's why he told me that I was living life in a gutter because most of the Christian people get cleaning a sewer system or sweeping a street. And I told him, I am fine who I am. And he told me, you know, you are in darkness and you're going to go to hell. And I saw, I, I told him, I know where I am going. And so I know that I, I am in light. No, he have not left by that time. 
so he told me you know you're living in darkness and i told him i know that i am living in light and he said so you think islam is in darkness i told him you said so i don't know i know that i am in light so afterward um he put us some more money and he tried he told me he said take all this money and change to islam and, uh, and i still said no i told him leave and uh, i he he told me he said he was trying to save my spirit and he was trying to kept arguing and he told me he was giving me last chance and um, i told him i don't need anybody chance i was given chance when i accepted then uh, uh, i confessed that's when i was given chance uh, to lord jesus and uh, he told me he said you know um i'm trying to save your spirit and i still kept refusing so he grabbed me and he tried to rape me in islam many time if women don't listen they can they can do like uh, scar them or they could, they will rape them so then they will be dishonored and they will there will be example to other that nobody will dare to talk to men like that or nobody dare to stand up against men like that so that's what he tried to do so i pushed him and i slapped him and i told him i'm woman that didn't mean that i am weak and that's when i picked up his money i don't know how much it was bunch of money i picked up that money and i threw at his face and i said leave and uh, um and after that he again he told me sir i will see if your jesus will save you so, and then um uh, i told him still leave and he left and about 30 40 minute later he came back and he brought acid and he threw acid on me now what what kind of acid is this like battery acid or or where, where do you yes, buy no. acid in, oh, in pakistan you have money you can buy anything nobody going to tell you okay. uh, why you are buying what you buying okay, so any question on you and yeah, i was waiting for my boss to come so i can tell him what had happened and then um, this man came in and he opened the door and the booth was not really big it was like 5 by 8 or 8 by 8 it was small mm-hmm. and um, as he opened the door he uh, i looked up i thought it was a customer you know i looked up and this man opened the door and um, he just as soon he opened the door he just like pointed at me this bottle looking glass bottle looking and he did this and i just suddenly like it was my reaction was like this and this side was burned and then again um he um, I, i i got up i i was sitting right like this and i just got up and i as i was getting up and my body suddenly started smoking and this um, my skin started melting and this one man behind him he came in and this second man pushed me on the floor and threw me in the on the ground and he held me from my hair and the first man poured acid into my mouth he was trying to pour acid into my mouth and um, he said they were going to destroy the mosque said no to islam and uh, um i did follow some acid i have a lot of reconstructive surgeries 34 plus surgeries and my surgeries were like like not one surgery from one piece five different places one time so that's how i became 34 um and then uh after that oh. they left me there okay can dying. i interrupt you just a little second so they leave and you're dying now yeah. but you, you do you, how do you call for help okay so as i was there and my body was like smoking and my skin was melting and i somehow i managed to get out of that booth and i went in front of it and i was screaming and crying and this one lady was passing by and she saw she was i, I believe she was living next street like right by the corner of the the uh, place and um, as she saw me uh, my body was smoking and my skin was melting and she thought i caught on fire so she threw her head cover and she held me from here and she took me to her house and she poured water so after that uh, the water, she tried to wash it away you know she didn't know there was acid and acid and water you know they don't go good together eventually people so some people did caught those two men some people did took me to the hospital in that lady including she she was one of them 
who took me to the hospital and uh, some other uh, bystander who took me to the hospital and by that time my boss found out my family found out and the police uh, uh, those people who caught those two men they called the police and police came and uh, when uh, uh, when the police asked those two men why why did you do it and they said she had insulted islam she had committed bias for me she said that islam is darkness and you're going to go to hell and this and that which i said nothing of it i said i believe i know where i am going and i believe i am in light that's all i said and i know that i am in light i believe that i know that jesus is light for me and i know that he is only way for me so the men get away with it right okay so after he uh, the police came and everybody uh, like uh, instead of uh, uh, arresting them the police let them go police joined them and all those bystanders who caught those two men they caught, uh, they got turned against me and they wanted me to be dead so they got to the hospital and they told the hospital if you treat her we're going to set hospital on fire and uh, the hospital by that time my family was there and the hospital told my family we cannot put other people's on uh, on risk for her other people's life on risk for her so then uh, they let me go and uh, they said uh, take her somewhere else and so my family took me to the second hospital they said the same thing when they found out what happened and the third hospital said the same thing in third hospital the doctor told my mom she going to die anyway what's the point and my mom cried and she asked him and begged him and she told him she said she's still breathing and uh, so they take you in no so she kept begging the doctor and she kept crying and she asking and the doctor god put in mercy in that doctor's heart and i was admitted in the hospital the third one the third hospital okay so then uh, that's when uh, uh, i was treated over there every single day uh, muslim nurses used to put honey on my wounds and uh, they used to rip the bandages i don't know you can see it or not yeah, a lot i see a very slightly it looks a little reddish yeah right now it's a much much better because i had a lot of skin graft and stuff so, so so instead of the nurses helping you they put honey on your wounds and then yanked it off and <coughs> off and and so they made it worse yeah and they used to curse at me and they used to uh call me name and they wanted me to live miserable death and they used to want they re- they wanted me to um you know die miserably or bag them and uh, and and they used to say that you have a last chance except islam but i was not able to speak because of half of my esophagus were gone uh, over here the doctor put an expenditure to remove the tissue or i would had it like all the way here and half of my esophagus were damaged uh, gone you could see like uh, you could see my cheek like you uh, that cheek was not there that was a skin graft here and uh, you could see my teeth and uh, one of my eye uh, i lost it um i didn't have a eye and i was not and this one of my eye had a acid on it and uh, i was totally blind from my both eyes and uh, i was not able to see or speak but every single day i was able to hear them they comment that uh, they they curse at me they called me name and they kind of thing and you know every single day i was i hated those people yeah. i wanted them to die the miserable death i was dying because i was just 16 years old i done nothing wrong to anybody what i did was accepted I just wanted to be who I am. I wanted to be a Christian. I do not wanted to change to anything else. And that's what I was punished for. And I used to question my faith. And I asked God, why? Why Lord Jesus, why? What did I do wrong? I why I am dying this miserable death? Why you not stopping those people? I used to pray and I felt this bubble around me but now why can I feel this I hated so much the hatred was so much in me I didn't want to live this handicap life the doctor told my parents she not going to survive if 
she survived, which is not possible, if she survived, she will be handicapped. She will never be able to speak. She will never be able to talk. Both of my arm, this arm, um, I, this, uh, I don't know, you will be able to see or not. This was like this. And because of this, I was back, both hand was like this. So the both arm was not working. I was not able to talk. I was not able to see. And I didn't want to live their miserable death life. So I used to pray for uh, my death every single day until 21 days later, I was pronounced dead. And that's the day. People say your soul will never die, but mine died. The, the, that soul of hatred. And that's the day he said that I never left you. And the bubble you felt from the childhood that was a bubble was my arm around you and I am not going to leave you. Okay. So, so 21 days after your accident, acid, acid attack, your acid attack, you're pronounced dead. Yes, ma'am. For 15 and, minutes and 33 seconds. And the, the doctors pronounce you dead. At yes, that ma'am. time, you hear the voice of the Lord. I heard the I heard the voice of the Lord. I was in His presence. So you, you I can actually, describe every single thing, but I think it will be right moment when I need to do that. Okay, so you 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 die, and you're in the presence of the Lord, and you hear Him say, "Yes." As a child, I put you in this bubble. That was my arm, and you not. You will live for me. I I said I don't want to live this miserable life anymore. I can't take it anymore. And that's when he said, you will never, I, I, don't, I said, I, will, I don't want to live this handicapped life. And he said, you will never be handicapped and you will live for me. Now you will live for me. And that's when, uh, that's after that, uh, when, uh, sorry, I, I never thought I would feel that way. Yeah. But I, I needed that reminder. Because yes. recently I found out that I I was diagnosed with cancer again, and I was I think I forgot about that. I didn't... Yes, God is a healing God. Um, he wanted you to experience His presence again. I'm um, sorry, I had no, I never felt that. Uh, so okay. after that, um, I, so your parents come out, to the hospital. Excuse me, my you, parents you, was there. And they know that you've passed away. They were preparing to take my body home. But as soon as they found out, they, they called home uh, to my aunt. And uh, my father was, my mother was standing there crying. And I know that we have short time, it's a long detail. And my mother, when she saw that she was cry, praying and crying, and she said, Lord, no, you, you need to let it truth out. You can't do this. And she said she was crying and she saw my right toe just shook. And she said, she's not dead. She's not dead. And she kept begging the doctor crying and that she wanted to put oxygen on me. And after they put it oxygen, uh, they said that I came back that they just put oxygen. They didn't even need to put oxygen because my Lord was not ready for me. So they they said after the Muslim people found out and all those nurses found out, they were so mad at me. They wanted me to be dead. And the people started coming to the hospital with a gun and stuff. So one of the doctors who actually admitted me, a first doctor, that my mom begged. And he told my mom, take her somewhere else. She's not safe here. He was a Muslim, but God used that person. And I will never forgive what he done for me. So uh, he was blessing. And then my family took me to the fourth hospital. That's where I was uh, fully awake. And that's where the uh, um, God gave me voice and my eye, one eye back three months, 17 days later, after the acid attack, I was able to speak when medically it was impossible. I was able to see and my doctor, instead of getting happy, he was mad at me. And that's the same doctor who offered me. He said, if you change to Islam, I will pay for your treatment from your my pocket because in Pakistan, uh, you know, in the United States, they will save your life later on. They can ruin your credit, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. But over there, they cannot say they will not treat you until you pay for it. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they wanted me to pay for my family to pay for it. And we didn't have any money. Nobody wanted to help us because whoever tried to help us, people will get after them. So 
uh, the doctor offered me, he said, you, uh, I will pay for um, my pocket if you change, yes, say yes to Islam. And I told him, for girls, their beauty is everything. I didn't do it when I had everything. What make you think I will do it now? You know, as much they wanted to take away my life, as much I wanted to hold on afterward, after what yes. he done to me. I wanted to see, you know, for in Islam, girls are nothing. In Pakistan, nothing. But I was nothing compared to, according to them, right? Yes. But why they wanted me to be dead? What I had, they were so afraid of me. Why yes. they wanted me to be dead? That's why, why I wanted to live. That made me to live. That's yeah. why I wanted to hold on to this life. Because he told me, I'm not, you're going to live for me. And after that, that's the same doctor who poisoned me after uh, operating on me, surgery, when I was fully awake on my arm. And I didn't bag him. I didn't cry to him. I begged. I cried to the one who gave me strength, the one who promised me that you going to live for me. And he kept his promise. He was with me in that um in uh, during the surgery in that room and i didn't bag the doctor and that doctor got so mad and he stormed off the um room operating room and he even made me watch my surgery he didn't let the nurse put the screen you know put between the patient and the part mm-hmm. they're gonna operate the doctor told the nurse no i want her to see it and uh after um uh, all the surgery he uh he instead of giving me antibiotic or medication for pain or something he gave me he poisoned me the doctor and uh, that's when my one of the nurse she she told my parents she's been poisoned i don't know the nurse was uh, uh, my mom said she was not belong to the unit at all some she came somewhere and she told my parents that she's been poisoned and my family took me because i was worsened after the surgery i was really bad um uh, and they nobody was trying to help and they knew what they were doing but that's when right away my parents took me to the fifth hospital that's where they washed my stomach and i was uh, in coma for two two uh two weeks and uh afterward um in 2003 i was shot and um okay so this is this is after you get out of the hospital you're shot yes ma'am okay so the doctor 2003 may the doctor gives you the poison you go into a coma you don't die the lord protects two weeks later uh, i woke up again from the coma and i don't have any memory of it i don't even remember i was and so what the enemy meant for bad the lord meant for good you get out of the coma and you leave the hospital yes ma'am i left the fifth hospital and uh, i moved because muslim people set my house on fire so my family uh my my little brother was beaten so bad he was only eight years old and he was beaten so bad and uh, his uh, leg was broken and i told my parents you know what they wanted me to be dead they can kill me but not my family i don't want you know whatever will happen it will happen i i don't want it to hide anymore i don't want it whatever they will do they can do it to me not to my family because that point we lost a house we didn't have anything and that house my parents owned for 18 years and uh, that's when i uh, left the hospital we moved to a different place and we thought nobody gonna know but um, that's when two men was running toward me and they wanted to me to be dead and one man this they shot me exactly right here but when my mom saw the man and he just she just pushed me and that's when i just turned and the bullet just crossed like right here and broke some skin here i had a skin graft over it and some skin here and then second bullet just went up right here and got out here and uh, they 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 thought they had done their job that that they they have killed me and later on they found out no i was still living and that's when they wanted to hang me publicly and uh, one of the christian bishop found out and he helped me to escape pakistan and come to united states which i didn't speak any english or anything and uh, wow so after you you do you go to the hospital again for those wounds and no, I went to the local doctor because I don't want to go like a people because that's where I don't want everybody to know. So we yeah. went and we did the bandages and everything. It was small clinic type of. Yeah. Okay. So then the this 
this bishop who we won't name hears about it and and allows you to escape he takes you out of the country is that right yes ma'am he helped me to escape pakistan come to united states and uh, then he he talked to some people here and they helped me like they were my like i lived in some people's houses and uh, to get the medical treatment here and then one family in the church uh, they were a retired elderly couple uh, who um, came, uh, who took me in um it's supposed to be few months and it turned to be 10 year i lived with them 10 year and uh, you know my parents gave me birth they were american couple and uh, i believe that there is a pe- people like you, some people you, just give you birth but some people bring you up raise yeah. you up yes you know i even though i was 17 years old but who i am today after god those people have a big part in my life I have so many people in my life that I cannot tell you a long list. So how old were you when you came to America? 17. 17 years old. And so that you live with this couple for 10 years. Yes, ma'am. So during those 10 years, I understand that you had numerous surgeries. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. I have multiple surgeries. And then I was diagnosed with a cancer uh in 2012 uh first stage breast cancer and uh, thanks to lord jesus i um he saved me from it and uh, then again uh, in 2005 i was uh, first diagnosed in my right eye i had a, a tumor that was a cancerous and uh, because of the acid and the chemical in my body they they said you might keep it we can't stop anything so then again 2012 i was pre- uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and i had a tumors they were cancerous they removed it and then uh, i uh, 2014 uh, actually i got to high school here i did uh, like what people do in 12 year i did a uh, 2 year 5 month one day i graduated from high school and then i went to college and i got to university and I, when i came to united states i did not know how to spell and or say thank you in english wow. and uh, i prayed one thing lord you brought me to strange land strange country all yeah. i ask you to be with me because i am nothing i i have nothing to gain a lose and i have a whole world to gain wow. and uh, that's what i lived for and that's what i looked for and i just moved on and i um do you still have a relationship with this family do you yes, are they still, oh okay yes. wow what a beautiful story and so they they actually raised you Um, yes ma'am and, and a young girl that's those in the whole church it was not that family matter uh, he taught me from fix the toilet roof uh car change the oil tire everything in life uh mr lee and miss gloria taught me how to do everything laundry or whatever so on and uh, as a whole church and you know one beautiful thing is this they taught me one bad thing didn't mean the life is end this means is a new beginning and that's what i lived and lord had put right people yes i was i was threatened by so many people i still received that threat i still got those a uh, uh, lot of stuff that oh, happened here there it did happen like some people tried to stop me here but i been going all over the united states up, up to this time a day about 25 states in the united states and i've been to over 400 churches and now matter of fact i work one of the organization pablo uh, people of the book lutheran outreach ministry which uh, we help um the uh, uh, what my job is and what pablo do that's why i work with them because uh, they do um, like help immigrant and refugee families like i am and you know when i see those new people and they don't know anything and assist them the joy and the love okay i, I can't hear you i don't know what you did to your headset but um i've lost oh. the sound from you okay now i can hear you okay so so go back you know, when you see immigrants when i when i try to help them and they they, they get been they've been helped and they achieve something or they, they simply even dropping grocery to those people uh it means a lot to me and would pablo do what, when they share this i remembered my time okay i've lost the sound again 
So something's going on with your headset. You need to kind of fix it again. Okay. Can you? Okay. I can hear you now. So what I was saying that, you know, when I uh, hear um, like this new refugee families, when we help and when even grocery to them or getting them to get a driver license or get something done or how to get doctor's appointment or this kind of thing. Because once I didn't know any of those things. And when people helped me, how much joy it brought to me, I didn't felt left out. So when Pablo shared this with me and they wanted me to like work with them, that was a beautiful thing. And I thought, you know what? I that's what Lord wanted me to do. And uh, that's what uh, I've been doing with the Pablo. We are helping. And, you know, I believe no matter, I don't, a lot of uh, families I meet is a Muslim and uh, they are Syrian refugees or they are uh, refugees from many countries, from Pakistan or other uh, Indian or for me, nothing matter. Matter is the love of Christ. Because if I have forgiven, now everybody... Same thing I have to do. I do not hate those people who who done this to me because you know what? Lord have used them. I would never be the person who I am today. Lord had used those people to bring me to this point to see him and to share his love with other. And when I see Muslim people, some some Muslim people told us, told me, forgive us what they have done to you. And, uh, you know, you must hate us. And I tell them, no, I don't hate you. You you know, God loves you. Jesus lo- died for all of us. He did not die for me only. And you know what? I share love of Christ with you. And I don't hate anybody because if I was forgiven, I, if I carried the hatred, I would never be the person who I am. And if I am forgiven, that's why I forgive those. That time he told me that you will live for me. That's the day I said, I cannot carry the dead body of hatred on my shoulder. Lord Jesus, you judge them, you let them go. It's up to you. But I want you only in my life. And I have him. I got married. You know, living life like me is not easy. You know, it's hard. Um, Everybody look at you different way. Uh, Wherever you go, people... Uh, I used to cover my face, my my arm and stuff. Not anymore. Um, I married a wonderful Christian man, my husband, uh, Babar. And, now, uh, he's from Pakistan as well. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. And he is a Pakistani. And uh, his family was uh, also persecuted. And he knew what persecution is. And uh, he's educated. Um, he loved the Lord. And uh, he told me, I told him, you know, every man have a dream that marry beautiful woman. Why you want to marry me? And he said, what if something happened to me after we get married? Will you leave me? I said, no. And he said, why should I leave you? Because something happened to you before. I always prayed for a special person in my life and I got it. Why should I let you go? And uh, uh, by grace of God, we've been married for uh, eight years almost. Uh, and uh, now uh, we have four children, which medically it was impossible for me to have a children. And uh, I have uh, two boys and uh, uh, twin girls. So I wow, blessed. really blessed you. Oh, beyond- I, I, people said you will have a reward in heaven. He had rewarded me beyond what I have suffered because sitting here and breathing this moment I could be dead but this is a blessing that I am sharing his love with others praise the Lord I I love your story thank you so much for coming on I I love hearing how you overcame all those things that they tried to do to you in the hospital give you poison tear the skin off with with um, honey um, and and actually possibly causing contamination to your arm, all kinds of things, shooting you twice. The Lord had his arm around you the whole time. Yes, and I'm so blessed to hear the story. I know that uh, the Bible says that they will overcome. This is actually in Revelation 12, 11. And I know that it's talking about the... Um, the saints that get saved during the second part of the tribulation, but it says they will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
So it's good enough in the tribulation. It's good enough here. We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that God has done for us. And this is what he's done for you. I want to talk to the audience out there. If this story resonates with you, maybe you're maybe you're a Muslim right now. Maybe you're an atheist right now. Maybe you're a different religion right now. But her story as she walked with Jesus through this horrible trial resonates with you because possibly you've been put through a trial and you would like to accept Jesus right now as your Savior. Follow me in this very simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's words that you need to mean with your heart. And what you're asking the Lord for is, forgive me for my sins, wash my heart as white as snow, and let me follow you. So bow your heads right now and say the simple prayer with me and mean it with your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. You paid the price for all the sins that I've done in the past, present, and future so that I might have eternal life with you. Lord, today I want to follow you and turn away from all the things I did in the past. Help me to walk this new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have said that prayer and mean it with your heart, today is your new birthday as you walk with Jesus through eternity. Call us here at Hope Radio in Corona, California, or write me on my website, On the Road with Jesus. You can go to my website, www.ontheroadwithjesus.com, or you can write me at rahfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. And let me know that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. Um, the Bible tells us that to to make that confession, a public confession that you've accepted the Lord, and now would be your chance. Tell somebody that's in the room with you or write us, call us. You can call me at 951-817-0094 and leave a message there and let us know that you've accepted Jesus. If you need some help with finding a really good church or you'd like to have a Bible, also let us know. I want to thank you again, Julie, for that wonderful testimony of how God saved you and and healed you and all the things that he did with your life. And may the Lord bless you and your family um, abundantly. And for you out there, thank you for joining us today on the road with Jesus. We'll be here every week and God bless you. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.